This is the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church of Ames, a podcast designed to help you live a gospel-fueled and faithful life wherever Jesus has called you. Hello and welcome again to the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church. My name is Mark Vance. I'm glad to be with all of you. Hope your new year for 2023 is off to a wonderful start. And I hope that you're living in a place of confidence, of calm, of peace in Christ, in contrast to a world around us that seems to be every day a bit more anxious and a bit more uh, fragile. And that's what I want to talk about, is actually the concept of anxiety and fragility, and how actually there's an opportunity for the church to be a witness to the world by simply living with a non-anxious presence in the midst of an anxious age. Really, this podcast is a reflection off of a couple of key things. One is a quote that Solomon sent me from Andy Crouch. The second is a book I just finished reading called A Failure of Nerve by Edwin Friedman. In in both of these cases, what I want to talk about in its core today is just a little reflection on how to cultivate a non-anxious presence as the followers of Christ in the middle of an anxious world. Solomon sent this quote to me, and I'm going to start here. It's by author Andy Crouch, the author of Strong and Weak, among other books, The TechWise Family, just a wise leader in the Christian church today. He, he wrote this, whenever I'm with college students, high school students, I want to say, and I often do say, the statistics tell us that you are experiencing extraordinary levels of anxiety, depression, and loneliness. That is not because you are unhealthy people in a normal world. That is because you are normal people living in an unhealthy world, end quote. That phrase, you are normal people living in an unhealthy world, rings so true to me. We see the rising ranks of anxiety, you know, depression, all these sorts of symptomatic uh, displays of mental and physical unhealth in our modern world. And as we see the rates, it can make you think, man, there must be some generational problem with Gen Z or with iGen. It's, the problem is with this generation. Well, my point is generations are the products of the world in which their parents live. So in, there's something actually about the world around us right now that is producing a level of chronic anxiety. That, that's the term, chronic anxiety, that Edwin Friedman used in his uh, really well-known book, uh, A Failure of Nerve, Leadership in an Anxious Age. And I'm just going to unpack it. I want to say at the outset, I think that book was one of the most profound leadership books that I've read in years. It is also not super well edited, and it's a little wordy, and to be frank, it's really hard to read. If you want a little simpler summary of the ideas of Edwin Friedman's book, A Failure of Nerve, Mark Sayers, the Australian pastor and Christian theologian, just kind of translated Friedman's work through a Christian filter in a book that he's putting out called A Non-Anxious Presence, and I think that would be a great book to pick up. So Friedman, in A Failure of Nerve, though, it's his diagnosis of the world in which we live is a world characterized by chronic anxiety that was so profoundly interesting to me. Friedman notes that there are five symptoms of living in an anxious age, and I think when I read them, you're going to notice them. So, symptom number one is overreactivity or reactivity. You know, it's like the there's an instant reaction to the newest news cycle. It's up or it's down or it's so it's it's too high things that should register as a two out of ten on the stress scale uh, register as a seven out of ten 
It's too reactive. Secondly, there's a herd mentality. It's a grouping of people together, so it's not just me as the individual, but us as a group that are standing together. Third symptom of an anxious age, blame shifting. Instead of taking deep personal ownership for problems or for social ills, there is a blame on the previous generation or on the system. There's a shift away from personal responsibility to blaming someone else. Well, that's just a product of the environment they lived. A move away from personal responsibility and toward blame shifting. Fourth symptom is a quick fix mentality. You can see this, Friedman points out, in the rise of the kind of um, leadership as self-help sort of book material. Instead of directing leaders and people toward the steady life of wisdom, you're learning tips and tricks to deal with the pains of modernity. So you have tons of leadership books about how to do life hacking. I don't know if you've even seen that term, life hacking, like how to maximize your life trying to give you a little bit better return on the investment of your energy. But you don't see a lot of leadership books about the development of long, slow-fix characteristics like character, integrity. Those things aren't quick. You can't microwave character. And so you're not going to pursue that if you're anxious. You want the quick fix. And then the fifth symptom of an anxious age is a lack of character-driven leadership. What happens is an anxious person or an anxious people react by tearing apart their leaders. Uh, They actually kind of have this weird counterintuitive thing where an anxious person desperately wants a champion and a hero to fight for them, but they desperately also want a powerful person to blame when their life feels out of control. So they react by tearing apart leadership. These five symptoms I think you see in the modern world all around us reactivity, hurting, blame shifting, a quick fix mentality, a lack of leadership. They're symptoms of the anxiety of our age. And to those symptoms, the modern world is offering what Friedman diagnoses is three kind of main solutions or prescriptions to the problem of an anxious age. So, apart from Christ, he's just looking at the broader social world, in the West particularly, so America, uh, Western Europe, things like that. A little sip of coffee there for me. It'll help me finish this. So Friedman points out three symptoms there. He says, uh, or solutions rather, to the symptoms of an anxious age. He says, first solution the world offers, offers us is data or information. Basically, the idea is this. If there's any problem, we can take through the internet or through our study tools or through advanced search engines, and we can compile all the necessary data to spit out a computationally sophisticated solution. We've become data junkies. He points out the difficulty of the data junkie mentality, though, because in the fact that we're drowning in data. It, there's a problem when the, sometimes there's so much information that it's so impossible to sift through that you can't actually arrive at any sort of concrete solution. So data junkies is one solution the world offers. The second solution moves from information to safety, and the operational word there is we need leaders who lead with empathy. It is a... It, it is an overvalue, overvaluing of the therapeutic stance of leadership. Now, I want to carefully explain this. I actually think therapy, 
like a therapeutic stance from a counselor who listens carefully and compassionately to a person, who offers the person kind of reflexive, you know, here's what I hear you saying, and helps them to move toward personal ownership and solutions. I think that's a powerfully important role. But it is not the only role that should be taken in leadership. And to be frank with you, counseling most of the time needs to be... um, it needs to be compatible with leadership, complementary to directive leadership. It rarely should take the seat of organizational leadership because empathy is a very good tool to, to work with on growing compassion, but it's often a terrible tool to use as the primary mode you operate with as a leader. A leader has to make the best decisions for a whole, and when the safety of the individual because becomes the ultimate concern or priority, then often what you get is not movement forward, but a constantly anxious organization, a constantly anxious family who's constantly aware of the possibility of offending one or the other, but unwilling to move forward. So the solution the world offers is data or empathy. And then the final one is what he calls autocratic leadership. This is going to sound a little weird, but when data and information and empathy and safety don't solve, you're going to turn to a powerful, almost messianic figure of leadership who says, uh, look, you're all fearful and anxious and terrified, but I'm your only hope. The world around you is trying to crush you, but you can trust me. And you can see this all around the Western world, the rise of powerful, almost autocratic leaders who embody the messianic popes of their political organization that follows them. It's, it's the rise of the strong man in leadership is what you're seeing. So this is Friedman's diagnosis in his book, Failure of Nerve, that we live in a chronic, chronically anxious age. Or as Andy Crouch puts it, we're, we're not unhealthy people so much living in a normal world, but the, normal wor- the world in which we live is full of these unhealthy factors, reactivity, hurting, blame shifting, quick fix mentalities, you know, lack of leadership, and that is producing unhealthy, chronically anxious people. In particular, our high school kids and our college kids are drowning in this. This is the air that they are breathing right now. It's the culture in which they are living. It's a culture that is so full of data and information they can't figure out what's true, so full of an obsession with safety and empathy that they're constantly on pins and needles worried about the possibility of offending or being offended. And in the midst of all that, they're going to have a, a tendency to just listen to the biggest, strongest, loudest person yelling that they can follow them rather than turning to wisdom. So how on the other side then? If Andy Crouch is right, if Edmund Friedman is right that the world in which we live is chronically anxious, then what I want to suggest is one of the critical tasks of Christian leadership and of Christian churches, of Christian families, of homes, is to cultivate a rooted in Christ non-anxious presence, to be rooted and grounded in him. An anxious presence, to use James's metaphor from James chapter 1, is like a person who is tossed to and fro on the waves of the wind. We need to cultivate not an earthly wisdom, but a heavenly wisdom. A non-anxious, calm, rooted in Jesus' presence will be one of the most powerful witnesses the Christian community can give to the world. If we you know, look at the problems in our day and age, and we react like the world, compiling data, running around to ideas of sympathy or autocratic, powerful leadership to save us, we become of no use to the world. We have to, 
cultivate a very different sort of mode and posture of living. So how do we do that? Well, on the one hand, one way to look at it is just to see the opposite of what the world's pursuing. Not data obsession. We don't need more information, but what's the biblical idea of what we need? We need wisdom. Wisdom is the solution. Wisdom isn't information. Wisdom is information processed through what works in God's world according to God's ways. We need an obsession, not just with the latest news headlines or the latest studies on how sleep can maximize your productivity, although I enjoy those studies too. What we need is actually to obsess about the book of Proverbs. We need Christians who know Proverbs uh, and wise principles and who embody those principles in the world. So don't just teach your kids the latest stats and tricks of data obsession. Instead, ground them in words of wisdom. The Christian community needs to have a prioritization of wisdom over data. And in some ways, that actually means we need to prioritize experience. Wisdom is hard-earned. You can't just read it in a book. You have to go through pain in life. We need to prioritize that in Christian communities, honoring the wise the learned, the the elderly, the aged, because they've walked with God through pain and suffering. So in contrast to an obsessed age, to to kind of combat the chronic anxiety, we need not a data obsession, but wisdom. Second thing we need, not an obsession with safety and empathy, but we need endurance. Endurance. Safety and empathy as the the kind of core values of our age are built off a premise that says people are fragile, or at least they're very breakable. You know, there was an old phrase, whatever doesn't kill me makes me stronger. But actually to quote from Jonathan Haidt and Greg Lukanoff's book, The Coddling of the American Mind, their observation is that the way people think today, what we say is whatever doesn't kill me makes me weaker. That's, that's a dominant idea, that people are fragile, and if you speak to them wrong or treat them wrong, if they go through hard things, it doesn't make them stronger, it makes them weaker. That's not actually what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that actually, hard times, we can even say with James 1, we can thank God, we can bless the Lord in the hard times because difficulty produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope won't disappoint us. People made in the image of God are not as weak as they think they are or as they have been taught that they are. That doesn't mean we should cultivate a culture where it's just like rough and tumble and we're ready to, you know, throw words around that could hurt people's feelings just because, yeah, you're not. No, I'm not arguing for an angry or an ignorant culture. What I'm saying is we should be teaching young people, college students, that they are actually far stronger, more resilient than they think they are. They have more capacity to push through hard things than they think they have, and that actually the hard things will not weaken them, but will strengthen them. They will endure and come out the other side, not just a, not automatically a better person, but a different person. Suffering helps you learn endurance. And patience, it helps you realize this life is not just about tomorrow. It helps you to look beyond material things to see the value of the kingdom of God. So I don't want us to be obsessed with safety, but but instead saying to people, let's endure faithfully. You're not as weak as you think you are. Faith makes you strong, not weak. So as a Christian community, let's cultivate wisdom in an anxious age. Let's cultivate endurance in an anxious age. And then finally, 
We need to move away from the move toward powerful autocratic leadership. That's we don't need some sort of messianic political savior. We need a kingdom of God grounded hope. So think of the three principles. In our age, the world's trying to solve the problem of chronic anxiety with data and information obsession, but the Christian community is going to value wisdom over information. The world around us is trying to solve its anxiety through a safety obsession, but the Christian community needs to value endurance over fragility. The world around us is going to value that powerful, strong man Savior, but the Christian community is going to value hope in the coming kingdom of God. Hebrews 12 says, we have inherited a kingdom that cannot be shaken, that will transcend every human kingdom on this earth. So we don't need a new president to act like our Messiah. We don't need to be saved by a politician. We need the kingdom of God to come in power. We are hoping toward the return of Christ. We try to be faithful in the world in which we live, but we pray toward the return of a Savior who will set up a great, true, earthly kingdom where righteousness and justice will reign. Wisdom, endurance, hope. Those are the Christian virtues that are a counter to an chronically anxious age. How do you cultivate a non-anxious presence? Christian, grow in wisdom, grow in endurance, grow in hope. What do people look like who are wise, who can endure hardship, and who never lose sight of the hope of the kingdom of God? Well, those are the very sort of leaders and people we need. The way I picture it is they are anchored to Christ. If the the surrounding culture around us is, you know, the waves of the ocean tossing us to and fro, the picture of a non-anxious present is a person who is so anchored to the rock that is Christ that they are constantly aware of God, constantly aware of self, and they live with wisdom, endurance, and hope. You cultivate those sort of virtues by having the sort of anchored presence with Christ where daily you wake up and know He's God and you're not. You start your day on your knees. You remember who Jesus is. You spend more time obsessed with his word and in prayer, waiting on God, than you do just reading the news and, you know, mulling over the latest headlines of how things aren't going right. Friends, next generation, college students, kids out there, you are not unhealthy people living in a normal world. You are otherwise normal people powerful people, beautiful people, made in the image of God sort of people, living in the midst of an unhealthy modern world, a chronically anxious modern world. So today, I hope that little diagnosis helps you to make sense of where you're living right now so you can live faithfully, but even more so, listen to the prescription for the Christian. How do you cultivate a non-anxious presence of leadership? Don't pursue data, pursue wisdom, Don't pursue safety, pursue endurance, and don't pursue a false messianic political savior, but instead pursue the hope of the kingdom of God. If you live in that way, you'll be so anchored in Christ that you'll be different from the world for the sake of the world, in the world but not of the world, anchored in Christ, a non-anxious presence following him. I hope this stirs you to be faithful this week.